listening to Grim Dystopian with Fifi Kicks and Benny G, your music podcast for everything metal. All right. <laughs> I'm going to be deaf now. We just blasted our guest out with the <laughs> intro music. Oh. Are we done? <laughs> In all fairness, he did warn you that it was coming all at right. some point. I just wasn't going to listen to it. <laughs> so, welcome, guest. Thank you, host. <laughs> we have another fantastic guest this week. We do. Aw. Yeah, Mr. Brutal Postman. Yes. Brutal Milkman. I'm only Milkman to Fifi. <laughs> Brutal Mike. Brutal Mike. Yeah, that's good. Um, and also Mr. Cottontoe. Oh, yes, Cottontoe, my, my blues guy. Yeah. 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 I, go, I go by many nicknames, but yes. We're going to talk about all that stuff, hopefully, right? We are. Hey, yeah. All I'm right. here for the taking. So, all right. So I'm going to kick it off because I'm kind of the outsider here. So how did you two meet? It's a dark and stormy night. <laughs> I knew it. The, uh, we are, we're all connected by Chris. Yeah. I think Chris has been the main theme of your podcast for weeks. He had yeah. like almost every podcast. Yeah. Yeah. People are probably going, who the fuck is this Chris? Yeah, oh, yeah. you just wait. <laughs> You'll meet Chris. We were just talking about hopefully recording him and <laughs> editing him. <laughs> Much love to Popper out there. Yeah. And I don't remember when exactly we met. I remember just meeting you. But mm. well, when I met Chris, <laughs> being a mil- uh, milkman. See, I almost said <laughs> <Sorry>. that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we can get to that story later. But you know, being a mailman, I was on break. And I was at Guitar Center, and I'm in the bass room, and I'm thumping away. And this kid walks in, a kid, wearing a, a Deeds of Flesh shirt that I used to own, and a Hawaiian shirt over it. I'm like, no, oh, I'm going to have to talk to that kid. <laughs> he sits down at a bass, starts wailing away, and then we just got to be fast friends from there. So, And it's the same thing. Like That's how uh, I was introduced to Barrett. It was through Chris at a show. So mm-hmm. I know we were introduced because he told me about Abysmal. But then... Now that I think about it, um, I bought one of your your first EPs, one of the, the cassettes, and he delivered it to my house like a year before I even met him. I think I bought it through Metal Maniacs or something. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I huh. think he can back me up on that. Well, thank you. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Which I ended up turning around and you know releasing with the other demos later on <laughs> for Going Postal Records. But um, yeah, I think we talked about that long after we were friends he's like oh yeah i remember going to your house i remember being here and putting a cassette tape in your mailbox that's amazing i'm like that's right i forgot about it. you're in the band with him so i remember him talking you up but i don't remember the exact day that we were together mm-hmm. did you ever live in the city yes did we hang out at your house once yeah well i lived like with, on your porch yeah i lived with somebody it was his house um, it was a house. Yeah, but uh, I remember we hung out at least at least once. I remember being on the more. porch, obviously with Chris. <laughs> yeah, um, over by so Kodak. That's probably where I met you. Yes, yes, yes. And we were listening to the new Morbid Angel, mm-hmm. which Chris absolutely hated. And I mm-hmm. forgot, maybe it was Formulas? Formula, yeah. It was Formulas. Right, yeah. So we were sitting on your porch listening. That, yeah. that was probably the first night I met you. Yeah, okay. Wow. Well, we actually have all our... Our wits about <laughs> so speaking about Chris, his ears must have been ringing because he sent uh, 
he sent in our group text um, his signature sign of love, which is jack that fucker off for me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that time he put that on my Facebook yeah. for your birthday yeah. and your mom yelled at him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode isn't about me anymore. It's all going to be about Chris. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. So anyways, carry on. So yeah, I guess that was the first night. It was, yeah. it was at your house and we were on the porch just hanging out. And and then we obviously all went to shows together yeah. and, and just hung out. Um, So I have a lot more. Qu- well, we both have many more questions. But uh, to lead into our first song, I want to remind you of, I think it was the first show we went to. And it was at... Um, Steel Music Hall, if you can think way back then. Oh, here it, we go. I looked this. I looked this up. Okay, <laughs> and I found the date. It was. It was uh, in 2004. I think June 26. And um. Oh boy. Yeah. No. It, <laughs> we're gonna edit this out, right? <laughs> no, we're uh, playing a fucking song. So, it, so it was Magic Health. Yep. And it was Joe Stump. Joe Stump. And it was Reggie Hendrix. Who oh, God, I've never yeah. heard that name again. Oh, and it was um, it was a band that went on after Joe, or was it before Joe? Wilkes Booth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I opened up for them a couple different times, and they treated us like sh- shit. No, that's nice. And it's like I, I'm just I'm just here for stump. But as you remember, <laughs> I was quite hammered that night. <laughs> yeah, that, that was. <laughs> this the, is where this story's going. Yeah. No, well, I, this is off limits. We can't talk about that, that's it. No, 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 we keep talking. <laughs> that's the night that uh, fat poop came up. Fat poop. That's right. And there was a long discussion about if poop floated or not. <laughs> and then if your poop floats, it's fat, poop. fat or I don't remember. I I was in that. I think fat poop float, right? You know, we like still the oil know. and water thing. I just remember seeing Joe Stump that night, uh, hanging right. out with you guys and drinking <laughs> a lot. I remember going out. Was it your car? Yeah. We were in a, yeah, we were in your yeah, car, and Joe Stump was next to us getting changed in the U-Haul trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, he's right there. <laughs> yeah. But um, there was one of the bands there that was really cool. Was It was actually uh, just a guitar player from Magic Elf with a drum machine, but he was awesome. Yep. And we reached out to him on Facebook and he, he was so nice. He was very cool. Yeah. He responded. He said, play anything you want. And, oh, that's and great. You want to play. They're working on new stuff. They are, yeah. They or he? The, the whole band. They're gonna, there's going to be a new Magic Out CD. Oh, okay. So, so it's, yeah, the whole so band. So they were a whole band at one point. Yeah. We just happened to see one guy yeah. with a drum machine. Well, I think it was like a, th- <laughs> a three-piece band. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, Two of them uh, are missing that. <laughs> It's kind of sad. So, (laughs) (laughs) having way too much fun. Okay. So, uh, we want to listen to uh, one of the classic Magic Elf songs. Yeah. Um, This is going to be Mr. Destructo, and it's off of Elf Tales, and it's from 1998, and it's a wonderful song. Thank you, Carl. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Carl.
I cannot wait for a new Magic Elf release. Yeah, good stuff. Yes. Um, so they can be found at magicelf.com. Yep, and they're on Facebook. They're on Facebook, and we'll provide some links and show notes like we always do. Yep. And hopefully we'll be able to share some new Magic Elf with you guys soon. Do you want to talk about your current and past musical projects? Wow, we have a lot of time for that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I've always, as soon as I picked up a bass, my brother picked up drums, we were playing together, you know, mm-hmm. always playing, always. I was always creating. I went into service, wrote songs, sent them back to my brother. This is before, you know, emails and all that stuff. I'm like, just mail back lyrics. When we get home, starting the band, started a band where it was just me and him in the basement, you know, hanging the microphone from the from the, the, the pipes in the basement and, you know, we had friends join us and it turned out to be, we got my, our little brother a guitar and then we had a good friend of my brother, Matt's, to come in for a guitar as well and that's how um, After Dark was made. And we did that for a long time. Um, our one guitar player left and brought another friend in and kept going with that for a while and then he ended up leaving and it was just the three brothers, so we ended up just being 10th Ward, because that's where we grew up, was the 10th Ward area, yeah. And we really had a good time with that, but, you know, my little brother was growing up, um, you know, started a, a family, started his business. It was just down to me and Matt, and we were doing the, the blues thing for a little while. We, um, I, was, I, it, and I was always playing bass and singing, but I wanted to pick up guitar, so I started messing around, and this is after the whole VM thing, so... I end up like, you know, it'd be easy to do like horror punk. It, it, the songs kind of write themselves. Mm-hmm. So I started writing some songs. Me and Matt were going at it. And at, at the time, I was doing guitar. And then we asked our buddy uh, Travis to come hang with us because he played guitar. And I switched back to bass. Mm-hmm. And we end up making it was first Brothers Grimm, then it turned into Indivina. And uh, how did, did how did love, you meet Travis, by the way? Travis, Oh, love that guy. He. Uh, so my brother Ben, who does Fright Rags, that yep. the shirt that I gave you, Fifi. Um, he, when he was first starting out, he did this um, uh, horror convention in Buffalo. It was a, 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 a store, kind of a horror type store that would put it on once a year. So, very ground floor. My brother was doing so. You know, me and my other brother would help him every once in a while. So I went to Buffalo with him, and we we hung out at this little convention. We were actually right next to the Ghost Hunters people. Oh, cool. When their show was first starting and stuff. So I got to meet Steve and some other guys from there. And um, so my my brother Ben was good friends with this guy, Chris Seaver, that made movies and stuff, and those guys had had hung out for a while. Well, Travis came with Chris, and uh, it was before the convention started. And then, I mean, first I meet Chris, but Travis is with him, and Travis just will just hold court, you know, and I was fascinated with this kid. And he was a kid, you know, he's just talking, and he's very passionate about whatever he talks about, and I'm just like, I, I need to get to know him more, mm-hmm. even, even though he's way younger than I am. Kind of put him under my wing a little bit. So I've always known him, always, we've always hung out, done things, you know, whatever. Always fast friends with my brothers as well, and we used to just hang out and jam sometimes. We'd just go, go see movies or do whatever, and then... So I was always kind of hanging with him, playing guitar a little bit here and there. I'm like, you know what? Come on over and hang out with me and Matt, and we might do something. And we, he wrote some songs. I wrote some songs. We had a lot of things going on. And then we, now we were in the basement for a good couple of years, but we had a good solid set, and we really wanted to get to play out. There's one time we were supposed to play the bug jar. He got us the gig. 
but the the owner at the time said they double booked and we oh, couldn't play no. it. I'm like, all right. So I followed up like, okay, well, let us know when we can play. And then yeah. no one ever got a hold of us. And it's just like, I was done Fizzled with the, Yeah, I was done with the local music scene by that point. Like, yeah. this is the way venues were at the time. I'm not going to say they are now. So, uh, yeah, so we had Indovina. And after a couple of years, it just kind of, Travis went his way and that was it. So me and Matt were doing the blues thing for a while. And then I ended up going solo. And that's how Cotton Toe started. And there's a whole bunch of bands in between all this, too. But, um, yeah, it started my uh, my big blues career. And you guys were at my cool. first show at yeah. the Java's during oh, the French Fest. And it just got bigger from there. I mean, because of the French Fest, things got really big after that. And now I've got a trio, and we play out a lot. And I'm actually making money playing music. That's which great. Is, which is a whole new thing, because I've been playing, like, three decades right. at least. <laughs> so it's nice to actually make a little money of at the end course, of the night. Instead yeah. of, you know, opening for bands like me and my brothers did at Benny Arcade, and you're doing it for exposure. And, right. You know, and you're playing to your mom and dad and the yep. wives. And like, <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares. Because everybody was young like we were, and they were starting families, and we're doing our rock dream. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so between all that... Like VM started, which we can talk about later. Um, I also uh, hooked up because of Barrett. Uh, I hooked up with Bob McCobb from Pittsburgh and or the Pennsylvania area, and he he does uh, chainsaw dissection, uh-huh. which is like at that time was true like mortician worship, which I absolutely adore mortician. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he would always get Barrett would always get his releases in, so I'd buy him. Then I end up talking to Bob. I've never physically met Bob we've got a relationship because I talked to him over the phone and, and emails and stuff. He writes a lot. I write a lot. We collaborate a lot of stuff together. He's constantly writing. He's constantly doing music at home. And so there's like this one time I'm like, look, I want to put a black metal thing together, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do the music part of it. I said, yeah. I'll just throw down vocals. He goes, yeah, no problem. And like a couple of weeks later, I had like eight tracks. I had the name and I had an idea. I said, dude, it's like black witchery type of thing. Mm-hmm. He sent me the tracks. I put on my screaming vocals. Perce- uh, Perception of Hades was born. Awesome. And I'm really proud of that, too. We've got a few things out on actually on Bandcamp. Um, and he, he sent me some new tracks years ago, and I, I still have to do something with them. But I, I'd like to, now I'm getting resurgence into yeah. getting better into metal and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I want to do more stuff with that. But then he did have other stuff. We had Ghoul Necropsy. Um, black ornament. It just he just always sent me these tracks, and sometimes they were like kind of black metalist. Sometimes they were something different. It's just like, well, we'll just call this a different name, and then we'll just do something different. Yeah. With it. And we had a whole bunch of cover art and different fonts and stuff. So yeah, we got a shit ton of stuff out there. That's just me and him. And he helped me with the malignant stuff. I did malignant decay, my first CD, after VM kind of disbanded. And then I wanted to make another. I want to make more music, but it's like I don't want to really go through all that again. Yeah. So I said, look, listen to what I did originally. If you can kind of match that, write the the music, and send it to me, which he did, and sounded amazing. It sounded like I did it. I put my vocals on it, and then I released that. So, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's I just constantly create. Once I hear something, I want to do something with it. You know, when I first heard death metal in the '90s, it's like. I want to learn to play guitar and do that. Yeah. I don't know why. Do your version of it? I want to do my version yeah, of absolutely. it. You know? I think that's what I think a lot of musicians do. Yeah. It's like you hear something, you get inspired, and like, okay, what can I do with it? Right. Same thing when VM got together. It's like, okay, what's our version of what we want to go see? Right. So, right. yeah. Absolutely. So, All right, so I just want to clarify when you say VM. Venereal Messiah. Yeah. Right. And Barrett is Barrett from Severed Records. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> B-Rot. 
and I am Postman, and Chris is Popper. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our names. <laughs> We're a little gang. <laughs> yeah, me Funny. and uh, Chris introduced me to Barrett. We're at shows. I used to go to shows by myself all the time anyway. It didn't matter. Yeah. You know, I'd see people or hang out, whatever. But once I started hanging out with Chris, then I started meeting everybody else. Yeah. So it was just the three of us who would go to shows a lot. And then one night we decided, hey, we should try something. Because we knew Barrett at the time played drums, or used to. Yeah. And, of course, Chris plays bass. And I said, well, I'd like to try guitar, even though I had a really shitty guitar at the time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I got together in my attic and started going over some stuff. And uh, me and Chris got together a few nights and wrote some riffs. It was pretty cool. I'm like, all right, let's just see what we can do. Yeah. And uh, Barrett said I'd rather just do uh, vocals and leave the drums alone. And Chris is like, no problem. I'll do the drum tracks, which he did, which was amazing. I wrote one of the songs off the the demo. He wrote the other four. And then, you know, Barrett gurgled, as he does, which is awesome. <laughs> and um, we, we released the, the first demo, Hooked Flesh, and then Chris moves. So now there's me and Barrett like, well, we've got this. What are we going to do with it? Mm. And I'm our, so we, let's book a couple shows, see what happens. And it was just me on guitar with a pedal, and then all the drum tracks I put on a CD and a disc man. Mm. So we didn't have a drummer. We always open for people, so we always had like a drum set behind us, so it looked like we were in a band. <laughs> we weren't. <laughs> so every time Amazing. the sound guy would ask what we need, I'm like, we need two direct boxes, one for my guitar, one for the drums. We need two mics. I'll take a mic because I'm going to talk to the, vo- the audience. Barrett will not. Barrett is going to do his thing. It was perfect. So I remember doing the sound check the first night at California Brew House and hearing all that sound coming back in the monitors. I'm like, oh my God, this is actually going to work. This <laughs> is going to be awesome. And we played. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, do our little brutal gore grind for 20, yeah. 25 minutes, yeah. get off the stage, leave them want more. <laughs> and that was it. So for the next two years, we play out a lot. That's awesome. We released a bunch of EPs and stuff. And then, uh, the, as he was saying on the previous podcast, we released a compilation of that. Mm-hmm. And then things kind of got quiet after a while. And then you got involved. And uh, we wrote more music. And I shitted it all up for you. Oh, you made it so nice. <laughs> no. So professional sounding. No. I love what you do with the drums, with the production. <laughs> Here's one thing. So we know we get, we get Ben involved. So I move over to the second bass, as Chris would call it. So I had a six-string bass. He had a five-string and it's funny because you still tell me to this day that you know you can separate the bass on the recording. Which yeah, I can hear you playing on this. I'm like I can't hear it because it's two bass players going at it. But we all recorded stuff separately. Yeah. We all sent you the tracks. You produced it. Put your Ben all over it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, Bleeding the Humans came out. I'm like, this sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. And we it never really does. we never sat in the same room. No, together. we didn't. Yeah. But it sounds really amazing. So it gave us the. We all kind of went our separate ways for a while, and then now it's yeah. like, now we're talking. I think we all got together at that Cannibal Corpse show yeah. a few months ago, and it's like, hey, we want to start doing it again. Yep. I'm like, yeah, get me involved. I want to do this. Yeah. I can't wait. As long as I'm on guitar. Yeah, we got to get Ben on stage. We got to <laughs> We have to play live yes. now, thanks to the Record Archive. They're doing that. They're actually getting bands. Yep. Let's do that. that would be yeah. a so lot I think of that's fun. the goal. That's the goal for all of us now. That would be a lot of fun. Hopefully we can get Dan involved, too, from Wild Texan. Yeah, yeah. To do yeah, drums. I think he's interested. Absolutely. Yeah. That'll He's not busy with anything else. No, he only has like seven other bands. That's all. Now I friended him on Facebook because of the, the archive, and I see all the bands. He's in. I'm like, he's never going to have yeah, time. Yeah, it's for crazy us at all. He'll make time. Yeah, as long as our, our his our new album doesn't sound like the last album because he didn't like your drum tracks. I know. Who <laughs> <laughs> did those shitty drums? We're like, oh, he's right here. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not a drummer, so I, I'm not offended. No, yeah. it sounded good. Yeah, simpler the better. So. 
Let's hear a couple of the bands that you were involved with. Um, cool. Do you? Will you introduce them for us? I most certainly will. Excellent. The first song will be uh, Perception of Hades, an ultra-raw black metal band with Soldiers of the Antichrist. And then next we'll hear Indivina with Haddonfield. Excellent. Thank you. Metal war, going home to show 
another question for you speak um your interests in music are very diverse you've been involved with uh, a lot of different projects yeah from the past and currently oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so what was and i know this is kind of a common question we ask kind of most of our guests but what was your gateway into metal and heavier music you know, I've been giving this a lot of thought, knowing when, when you first asked me to, to come on, you know, months ago, and I'm like, this is probably something we're going to talk about. I seem to, I've surmised that Judas Priest has had a, a lineage in my my background. Okay. Un, unbeknownst to me, until I was really analyzing this, mm-hmm. I will go back as far as grade school, in parochial school. Okay. All the cool kids, they had stuff written on their binders. You know, ACDC rocks. Judas Priest cranks. You know, was, <laughs> and I had a good friend of mine who's actually still out there somewhere, Jeff Fry. I grew up with him. He was a great artist. He got me into Kiss. Mm-hmm. He used to, he loved Kiss and he used to draw him and all this stuff, but he was really good with the, the fonts, you know, all that stuff. And then in eighth grade, a good friend of mine, Jimmy, um, we went on an eighth grade field trip to Ontario Science Center. It's a long bus ride. He hooks me up with a mixtape and the majority of it was Unleashed in the East. Okay. I forgot what else was on there. I remember him coming <laughs> over with the first Ozzy Osbourne album. Mm. And I knew this this was the guy that used to lead Black Sabbath, but I was never, like, big into that. I yeah. mean, I wasn't big in a lot of music, but it was just like, okay, you know, so he's not with them anymore. But that was probably one of my first metal albums that I bought, that and uh, Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast. Mm. So, now I'm, so I'm kind of into these bands, you know, listening to this stuff. Now I'm in high school, 10th grade, my good friend Remo. Knows I like metal, but he wants to put me over the edge with it, right? He's, and he's this big, burly guy. Big, you know. I, when I first met him, I thought this is the guy that's going to kick my ass this year. You know, <laughs> he's in there picking a, you know, a scab off his wrist. I'm like, and he's wearing a wife beater. I'm like, nah, fuck. <laughs> that's the guy. I just, you know, first day of tenth grade. I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. He's going to put me in a locker. Turns out to be one of my best friends ever. I love this guy to death. So one of my brothers. It's like, all right, Scrivens, we're going to get you into metal, and this is what we're going to do. I'm gonna I'm going to put these headphones on you. I'm going to play this tape. I'm walking at the time. He's got his big burly hands over. He goes, I'm not going to release my hands until the song is done. I'm like, all right, whatever. We had time to kill. Turns it on and it's Love Bites. I'm like, this fucking song is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's just holding my head. I'm like, yeah. And he even drew a picture later, like little geeky me with like this demon ripping out of my chest. He's like, see, I got you in the metal. So... You know, I was big, obviously big into those bands by then, mm-hmm. and then um, went into the service 
And when I was stationed in Guam, they were all into metal then. Mm. I actually got into Striper there. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm, there's more metal than that. But mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, a Christian band doing this. That's pretty pretty yeah. cool, you know. Yeah. And I'm being a Christian. I'm like, yeah, this is this is cool, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked all the other stuff, too. But, you know, I grew up with, with Rad. Yep. And it, all the, the normal 80s stuff. But then Rad, um, you know, Motley Crue, all, all the stuff like that. But then everybody in Guam was, like, really into the heavier stuff. Mm. And I remember being at a party. And somebody brought it. It just was released was Master Puppets. Mm. I remember they put that needle down. Like I don't know what the fuck that is. That's a little too heavy for me. You know, <laughs> I'm just like I don't know. So a friend of mine's like, "Well, I'll tell you what. Listen to Ride the Lightning. There's a lot of more classical influences on that album, and that might that might be your gateway into more of the heavier stuff." Mm-hmm. And it was. It, once I heard that, I'm like, "Yeah, this fucking album's amazing." And then of course Master and everything after that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got home, and that was probably the heaviest I got was that and, like, Megadeth. And to me, it was, like, I had this gamut in my, my, my music collection, you know, from light to dark type of thing or he- heavy to light or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm a huge, the, the hugest Rush fan. That's, that's my yes. band that got me into being a musician. You know, moving pictures was, was my gateway into being... Like of, doing uh, it, being into music, yeah, and, and, and doing music. And, you know, I don't play like Getty, but I don't care. That's not the thing. It's... That that's it, you know. So, so, so I get home. Yeah. So the heaviest I got, even in the service, was Metallica and Megadeth and stuff. Um, as I get home, and I, I death metal was first coming out. I got married in '92, so it was some '90s ish when that stuff started coming in the underground. And there was a, a a local Christian bookstore that my mom used to go to. And she goes, "You might want to go in there sometime. They've got a lot of Christian metal in there." I'm like, "Christian metal? What? Is, what is? Are you kidding? You know, I'm th- thinking Striper's the heaviest thing that's ever going to be a Christian." Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So I go in there, and they've got stuff that you can listen to, I and mean, you can buy it. But there's also it's it's to, to listen to. And I'd heard about death metal, but I'm thinking, "Oh, that that shit's ridiculous." You know, I'll go out, kill your mother, and do all this bullshit, right? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to listen to that. <laughs> but I play Mortification, mm. and I'm like. Fuck yeah! I said okay. Obviously, I know this is good. I'm, I'm gonna, I can fall asleep to this and not worry about you know rewiring my head. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna be evil because of it because it was a very positive thing. I, their first three albums are still like one of my favorites. That that was my gateway into death metal. But once I got into it, it's like okay, what are the secular stuff? What am I gonna get into? Mm-hmm. So what are the names that pop into your head that like anyone out there is gonna know without even knowing their music? You know, Cannibal Corpse, yep. Napalm Death. Yeah. Yep. Napalm Death was the thing for me. Harmony, Corruption, and then uh, at the time, Utopia Banished was the album that just came out. And I got into that and be like, yeah, that's it. I'm not, that's it. I'm hooked. Then I got into, because Mortification went from their independent label to Nuclear Blast, and Nuclear Blast was partnered with Relapse, they were doing, um, I would order their their catalogs, which was just sheets of paper at the time, yeah. you know, just printed. Yep. I'm like, okay, Mortification's on this. Here's their new album or whatever. What else have they got? And there's all these different EPs, bands I didn't hear, know about, obviously. But then you've got, like, samplers that you can order for next to nothing or cheap EPs. Yep. So I ended up getting a sampler. I think it was Corporate Death, and uh, Mortician was on it. And that was it. That was fucking Mortician is everything to me. I love (laughs) that band to death. I mean, to, to the top ones, Mortician, Incantation, I love Cannibal to this day. I mean, because of the the local thing, they're they're like the Ramones of death metal. It's you know, yeah. 
I they they can put out a bad album maybe, but it's it's all the same. It's all you know what to expect with Cannibal. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be oh this is the thinking man's song. No, it's just that's all going to be brutal. It's it's an audio horror movie. It, yep. It's just like that's it. That's what you want to go for. Like we went the other you know yeah. few months ago. It's, yeah. Everything's just draped in red and yep. it's just brutal death metal. I'm like done. We're good. We're yeah. Sold. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's what turned me, and then and then, you know listening to that like a lot of earache samplers like Grind Crusher and stuff, and, and, and but Relapse and Nuclear Bash really got me into, especially Relapse. Started buying everything off of Relapse, and that was it, you know. So that's that's where my my love, and then and listen to that. Well, listen to Mortician, you know the horror movie samples which I was into, yeah. And it's just like you know it's not overly technical. It sounds like it's accessible. It sounds like something I can play mm-hmm. possibly mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that's what kind of inspired me to like okay i want to pick up a guitar and do that mm-hmm. so with the vm thing when we first got together the year before things really started happening i had this piece of shit strat and it really didn't have like a decent guitar amp so we started writing riffs and it just sounded like crap and we we, we actually tried things probably back in 2004 and it just wasn't really working out for whatever reason I knew my back in the fat it. poop days. Back in the fat poop days. That's right. Back when I was big into shredding. That's why I had the the. the well, I'm wearing my Ingve shirt. Yes, you are. For you guys, yeah. I brought this. I mean, the postman brought gifts too, but I came wearing this from the 2001 yeah. tour, the War to End All Wars, because Ingve's wearing a suit of armor, and it's so ridiculous. I'm like, they're gonna love this. I've got plenty of death metal. I could have worn my House by the Cemetery yeah. shirt. I'm like, no. I'm, nope. I'm showing Ingve. up at this no. door with Ingve. Good like, choice. Check it out, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 80s all day long. <laughs> um, see, I'm always losing my train of thought because I'm having a good time with you guys. So we'll just edit all this shit out. <laughs> blooper reel. <laughs> but um, no, that, that's what just inspired me. Okay, so the VM. So, so the, the next year, 2005, when we end up doing it for real that's when i took the tax money i'm like i'm buying a real guitar mm-hmm. i'm buying real effects or whatever and we're going to do this the right mm-hmm. way so i bought a like a, a black creamer and i bought a line six pod yep. which had the great death metal tone on it mm-hmm. i'm like all right you got to start out with a good tone as a musician and then you go from there mm-hmm. and then once i got that and then you know me and chris got together again that was it and I was really happy about that and then and then actually to go i mean the, doing the demos one thing and then you got Barrett putting his weight behind it. Yeah. Excuse me, with severed. And so now people are learning about it. And we, we take pictures in front of my uh, my garage. Metal Maniacs was my metal Bible. Yep. And I read feverishly, you know, month in, month out. And they'd have the pen pal thing in the back and they also had where you could see all the bands and stuff. That's how I found out Bob McCobb from oh, yeah. Chainsaw Dissection yeah. and stuff. That's how I found out about his stuff with the whole mortician worship. I'm like, oh, you know what? We've got this demo. We'll submit a picture and our little bio and everything. Sure as shit. It got Metal Maniacs. I'm like, oh, my God. This is going from strength to strength. Nice. We're, we're going to be a band, man. Yeah. This is going to be great. And then Chris leaves. Yeah. And we're like, oh, what are we going to do? But then when we start playing out, just like, this is reality. And it, it's just cool to see the evolution of yes. stuff. I'm like, I'm putting a lot of hard work in this. Yeah. And you're seeing a payoff. And, and again, it wasn't a, a paying thing. You know, we always opened first because we had the shortest set. Yeah. And we, our songs are a minute long, yeah. at least. Um, just pure nonsense. A lot of samples and cool shit in it. And then, you know, we're done after 20 minutes. And then we can go drink. You know, tear down was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Throw a couple things in a case yeah. and we're done. <laughs> and then we sit at our little merch table because we had shirts at the time. And we just drink and we watch the rest of the bands. And... We had this young band, I think they even left in ruins. 
bunch of kids they loved us we used to play out with them a lot at the arcade so they would wear i think they had our, our bandanas they made into back patches oh and nice their jackets oh my and god stuff. i and love that like, man this is it this is perfect <laughs> so you know and all things kind of came to an end after a while but it was just good it, you just know going through all that that it can be done yeah so it's okay so now we'll this is what we'll do so that's how malignant came around that's something that I I had that name for a long time even when I first got into the music I'm like that'd be a cool name mm. I end up getting a font and the whole bit and I brought that up to the guys when we were talking about names and they both said nah we won't do that and venereal came up I'm like that's perfect but I'm like well I'm, I'm still going to use this name eventually and now knowing what I know doing what we did with the VM stuff I'm like well I could just release my own shit yep so I started doing my own stuff with the samples kind of mortician worship you know and then uh I started going Postal Records to release my own stuff and then other people and did that for a few years. It just got real costly because I was literally burning DVDs and making covers from my printer. You know, now you can do everything through Kunaki or something. Yeah. Which I, I, you know, knowing now the things they've got available, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah. Or you could just, just do a full digital platform now, yeah. which they didn't have back then. Back sure. then, it was just the MySpace. Right, you know, right, yeah. Other than that. So, yeah, I did that for a few years, and then it just kind of got too much. I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to have to put it all to bed. Yeah. And I think I even did say R.I.P. Um, going Postal Records on our Bleeding the Humans CD. Uh-huh. Remember that thanks list that Chris put? Yeah. That was like three pages long? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you put in like four names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is a juxtaposition between you <laughs> and Chris. Uh, yeah. Yep. I want to thank Mike, <laughs> Chris, and Barrett. <laughs> And then you need a magnifying glass for Chris's. <laughs> yeah. Love you, brother. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned malignant decay. Malignant decay. I think we should play it. Yes. Let's do this. this what is, are we hearing? This is Fear No Evil. The sample I used is from a, actually a local movie. Uh, well, it was it was filmed locally at Bolt Castle and around here a little bit. Even um, back at Channel 13, you said this guy named Dick Burt that was the, one of the anchors. Mm-hmm. He's actually in the movie. Mm-hmm. They uh, filmed some of it, I think the Hill Camorra pageant, but a lot of it's at Bull Castle up in uh, Alexandria. Yeah. And uh, it's a great satanic freak out movie. I love it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I definitely want to use the samples of that and then write something around that. And my, my song, what I was doing, I always did the drum sh- tracks first and then I would just write the guitar around it. Yep. And it always seemed to work out. So everything on my cheap little four channel digital recorder. So yeah, this is Fear No Evil. By malignant TK. Andrew is having a bad time at school today, but nothing compared to what his classmates are in for tonight. The road to hell is paved with Andrew's victims. Fear no evil, it'll scare the devil out of you.
So you mentioned that you've mentioned a couple times actually um, horror movies. Love horror movies. Yeah. You and you and Ben both love like those low budget cult horror movies, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So where did where did that love come from? I don't remember what I liked as a kid. I remember the day I stopped watching horror movies before I started again. What what came first, <laughs> horror or metal? Ooh, probably horror. Okay. And I'll say horror lightly on this one. I remember like my parents ta- or my dad taking me out to see The Black Hole, which was the first PG Disney film, mm-hmm. and it was an outer space film. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. great movie by the way. I'll let you borrow it. It's a really cool movie. All right. Um, but there was like this really scary part. I remember in that movie, and just like it freaked me out. So it was like these these robots were made from real people. That people had died on the ship, but the guy just kind of repurposed them into robots. Well, they end up this other guy was kind of suspicious of it, so he ends up taking off the face mask because they were all like plain, like these things that covered their face you didn't see what they look like and it's like half skull half cyborg huh. shit i remember having nightmares for weeks after that <laughs> but i don't i mean i like well poltergeist love that mm-hmm. I remember seeing that when, when that first came out actually going I, I don't know why i would have seen these movies unless my parents thought they were more family friendly or something <laughs> like but i do remember i to this day my parents were out i was being um babysat i'm the oldest of four but i was still kind of young uh, my babysitter was downstairs. I just couldn't sleep. I go down. She's like, oh, you want to just curl up and watch this movie with me? Sure. It was Salem's Lot. <laughs> oh, God. Which is still, to this day, next to Nosferatu, probably the best vampire-looking acting movie. I mean, you know, we're in this high apartment that you're here, right? Now, imagine, like, this kid, like, at that window knocking to get in. It would just, it would fuck you up. You yeah. Know? Stuff like, have you, have you seen the movie? Yes. Now, that was made for TV, too. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. I remember watching that, and, like, that was, I mean, I remember hanging, I, I was in a bunk bed because my brother slept above me, and I had, like, a rosary hanging there. I had rosaries in <laughs> all my windows. That it stopped me cold <laughs> from watching anything scary after that, and that was a long time. So now I'm in the service, you know, fast forward, I'm 19, okay? We're all hanging out in this bay, it's later at night, all of a sudden Nightmare on Elm Street's going to come on TV. I'm like, and I'm starting to get my little up, you know, like, oh God, here we go. (laughs) I'm like, come on, dude, you're fucking 19. I'm sure it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. You know, the lights are on, I'm with people Mm -hmm. I like, you know, we're just kind of hanging out. Watch the movie, loved it. And that's probably the best of the series too, because that was the scariest of them all. But that was a great movie. I'm like, this is enjoyable. You have to watch it with people and just, I mean, it's scary, but it's like, it's cool. You know, it's like that kind of turned me back onto, okay, now I'm into horror movies. Mm -hmm. So, and this will segue into my little brother. So, then I'm watching other horror movies or whatever, getting into whatever was popular at the time in the in the 80s. And then I come home, and my little brother's 10 years younger than I am. And he, at the age of four, he watched Halloween on TV. Mm. And I, I remember that night specifically. We were at a friend's house after trick-or-treating. They had, a, like, a family party. My little brother's four. There's nothing for him to do. So he goes in front of the TV, and they're showing the TV version of Halloween. And that was that hooked him. That was it for him. So he was, you know, while I was away in the service, he was, him and his friends were renting stuff from, 
to local video places all the time. I mean, he got in some stuff that got me. He got me back into horror movies and then more so, you know. Yeah. Like I, I, I saw some stuff, but it wasn't until after I got home and he showed, he showed me, and he was a kid, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm like, this this movie is a fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, it's scary as gritty as, as it is. It's amazing. And the kid, of course, grows up to be the CEO and the proprietor of FrightRags.com. Which, which they, they awesome. make horror t-shirts. Yeah. yeah he, he took his passion of, he was a, a graphics arts guy and uh, his love for horror and, you know, put a, just a couple shirts together because he was part of like these horror forums. He's like, you know, just throw some ideas together. First one was, what would Jason do? It was perfect. And put him up and people were like, yeah, this is a good idea. You know, we'll do it. So he took a credit card. This he recently married. Maxed out a credit card, made some shirts, ended up selling them. And he's like, I think I might be onto something. And then now, 15, 16 years later, he's, still he's got doing like it. an empire. Yeah. Now it's, it's so cool that he's down here in the, the Cascade District in the old city morgue. That's where his, his office is. Now. Really? Yeah. That's so awesome. So his offices are on the second floor. The warehouse where they keep all the shirts are on the first or the, the, the basement where they used to drain the bodies. That's awesome. Yeah, that is and so were, cool. And there were sometimes they, they've heard things and seen things. Hmm. Things happen like radios switch on and off. They've heard voices. They've heard tapping on the second floor windows. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's got to love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's, you know, I was into stuff, but then when I got home from the service, then I was the, the adult that would go take him to all these movies. And so he, we, we had a great bonding that way, oh, too. Oh, that's amazing. Of, of, you know, me taking to all these movies that he wanted to see, but I wanted to see, too, so... But then he just took it and ran with it. That's you know? amazing. And I'm so proud I of him. Yeah, it. it's, yeah. It, he's got such an amazing thing. He's got a great crew that works with him now and uh, does conventions. Me and my other brother Matt would help him out a lot when he was first starting, and now he's got a you know he's got employees that help him out. My brother Matt still drives for him, and uh, they, they go like twice a year to Jersey. I've met a lot of really cool horror icons because of that, and then it just got too expensive for me to go. So we would we would go as a family, me and my wife and my my son. But, um, you know, after a while, it's like they're charging, like, way too much for autographs and then pictures and all that. It used to oh, be, like, yeah. used to be 20 bucks. You can meet this really cool person. You get a picture really quick with your phone and everything's down. Now yeah. it's, like, it's, a, it's, it's at least 30 at least. And that's lowballing it just for, like, a, an autograph. And then it might be that much more just for a picture. Yeah. And now they do photo ops. So if you want, like, you know, like, we know Kane Potter personally yep. from, from Friday the 13th. Yeah. You know, to do a, a photo op with him in the full Jason regalia, and that that's going to cost you money. It's just like it's ridiculous. Yeah. But Kane Kane's actually a really good friend of ours because uh, I'll tell this story, which this is kind of like this will this will be my Barrett moment. This will this will get us all teary. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I don't I don't say this. I, I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but I can't say this without even tearing up. But my son, we we adopted him when he was nine. Yep. Um, and he was a, uh, a burn survivor. Yep. You know, his, 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 his foster or his real father burned him. So um, he was put in the foster care so at four. And uh, we found out about him at nine. We adopted him. So um, great kid. That never, that never affected him. That never, you know, it was never like, oh, be careful or whatever. I mean, he's missing you know, fingers in one hand, toes in another. Like when I first met him, it's like, oh, how can he hold that cup or whatever? He's he totally adapted. I'm like, oh, you're good, so you you just need me as more as a father, yeah, to, just to help you with yeah. life, mm -hmm. you know. And he, he never has never once said, you know, we we told him like, you know, you might be um, 
you know, per the state, you're disabled. We don't look at you this way. You can do whatever you want to do. He's he's an active screenwriter. I mean, he's got a day job, but he loves to write. He's written he's four really movies a and good shorts. Kid. I I'm so proud he, of him. Yeah. I love him to death. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's just just taking the world by storm. I love him for that. Um, so we yeah we never told him it's like yeah you can't do this because you know yeah. it's like look if you need government help, the government's labeling this way. You can use that to your advantage. And he's like never. I'll never do that because yeah. I can do this. I'm going to do this. So we're at a horror. I'm I'm helping Ben out, one of my first times. Um, and in the other room was Kane Hodder, and I was familiar with the movies, but I didn't. You know, I don't know these guys like a lot of the, the horror people know these yeah. guys. You know, it's like I was familiar with them. Oh, he plays Jason. Okay. And Ben's like, you might want to go meet him. He's a burn survivor too. I'm like, really? So I go in there, and he's wearing gloves. He's actually, he had a, he's a stunt man, and he had a stunt that went horribly wrong, and he's just, excuse me, totally engulfed with flames, and he's got, you know, second, third degree burns, like, all over his body. There's a great documentary that just came out. I think it's called To Hell and Back. It's his story. And that might be on Amazon Prime. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to check it, it, it that was, out. It was at the, they showed it a little about a year ago, because I remember that came up on my Facebook account or my Facebook memories and um, he'd already told us these stories but it was really more in depth it's amazing this guy's even alive it's it's awesome so I go to meet him I just had real high and it was a real quiet point so there wasn't like a long a line, line or anything. but or there was a couple people had me next to me and I wasn't gonna hold them because I wasn't I was probably gonna buy an autograph but just say hi real quick and I said uh, yeah this is gonna be the hard part um, I said, I just want to let you know, you know, you're kind of an inspiration to me and, and my son. My son's a burn survivor, too. And, you know, I just kind of said it nonchalantly, but I just kind of like, I just want to let you know, thank you for what you're doing. And, yeah. you know, you're an inspiration. And he looks at the rest of the line and he puts his hand up and goes, hang on a second. He's like, tell me more about him. I'm like, uh, okay. So we had this whole conversation. I have goosebumps. Yeah, I know. It's about my son and stuff. And he's like, all right. So he takes his name tag and he puts down his email address. Because I want you to get a hold of me. Now I know it because of the documentary, and we've also met him and done different things with him. He's a huge um, supporter mm-hmm. of um, of burn survivors, and he actually goes into hospitals and meets with people. Oh, and that's it's, so amazing! And he did that when he was here too. We we while he was writing his first book, he happened to be in the neighborhood, and um, my son is part of the uh, Finger Lakes Burn FLRBA. I think it's called, but they're, they're burn survivors and they, they help kids, especially, you know, foster kids that are in the system and they, they've helped Nathan out for years, you know, going to camps and stuff like that. So, um, there was he a, he still goes to that camp, right? Yeah. yeah. He, um, he hasn't gone in the past year or two just cause he, he's got a full-time job now, yeah, but he's, he's, like, he, he he's adulting. For, yeah, exactly. He <laughs> went for many years and then he went for a year or two as a counselor and he would love to actually the last time he went, it was probably a year ago not two years ago but yeah now he's got the full-time job and it's kind of hard to take yeah, the, the weekend I get off it. yeah but um so Kane's like actually i'm going to be in the area and we're like yeah we'd like to bring you down to camp for a day because yeah let's let's do that so um we met him the night before actually me and, and jenny my wife met him we, we picked him up at his, at his uh hotel and we went to um a nice place skipping on the name of it right now really cool beer place had a nice dinner had some drinks he told us his backstory so it was like really cool to hear all this yeah you know drop him off next day we pick him up and we we drove all the way down to corning guy was a freaking 
he's a, he's a jokester. He's hilarious. Like we stop in, it's down in Corning. We stop in Dansville, kind of guess the car, mm-hmm. pee, the whole thing was having the Dunkin' Donuts. We all get out. We do our thing. We come back. He's already in the car. Jenny's already in the car. We had an Impala at the time. I get in the car. I turn the car on. The wipers go. The radio's on blast. It's everything is on. Everything it's just like boom. It's, you know, it's like Ben riding the levels over here. Yeah, you know, seriously. It's, it's just like, I'm like, what the hell? He starts laughing. I look over. I'm like, seriously, how old? Are you? And he's just laughing. But he's been he's been such a close member of our family ever since. But he went down to camp. Um, some of the kids recognized them, most of them didn't, but, and it wasn't, it wasn't like it was all centered around Kane. Kane just wanted to kind of go. He met all the, the, the facility, you know, the, the faculty there. And, uh, he just wanted to just kind of interact with the kids if they want to interact with him, you know, and he brought pictures to sign, but he didn't, it's not like he set up a table. It was just like, he's just hanging yeah, out. He's yeah. watching how it happens. If anybody wants to come in, cause it's visible. You can tell if he, he went through some stuff. Some couple of kids did recognize him, so he signed some pictures Aww, for him. He was really sweet. I love it. But then they had this this big like powwow meeting, and like the, the head people were like they they raised all this money, so they kind of said, okay, we raised money from our, our walk and then this and that and this and that. By the way, we got a special guest. If he wants to come up, King kind of sheepishly comes up and uh, he starts telling the story a little bit. Goes, hang on, can we get my buddy Nate? And so he brings Nate up with him. Oh. And uh, yeah. So uh, he was really grateful. He goes, I wish something like this happened or was in place when I got burned. He goes, because I see all the, the support that you guys are going through. And it's, it's amazing. But I remember, but he teared up a bit. It's like, oh, my God. You know, the Jason part seven through ten yeah, is tearing seriously. up in front of us. Yeah, I'm like, oh, there, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a dry in the house. Yeah. I'm like, damn but he's been just a, a close close friend ever since so so yeah yeah so we go to you know monster manias and we we always just go to see him i mean we'd hang out with the other people too but it's just like he knew us so it's like we we go to the front of the line just to say hi real quick i'm like we're not gonna get in the way of people you know just like hey we're, we're here, here. Like, yeah. we'll hang out so last time we saw him nate had just turned 21 so this is five years ago already mm-hmm. he's like yeah meet me at the at the, the bar when we were all done for the day because I gotta buy you a drink. He's like, uh, yeah, no problem. So we did a we did a round of tequila. With, that with, with has Kane to be Hodder. amazing for me. Meanwhile, Nathan. he's getting That's all cool. these people coming coming up. So he's kind of like trying to spend time with us. But he's got all these great fans that are coming up, and he's really special with them too. And he's he's sweet with them. So we we, we got a little time with him, but it was fine. It yeah. was just like you know, just thanks for taking a minute. It's, yeah. it's it's all good. So yeah, we haven't really talked to him in a few years, but he's yeah he's he's holds a special place that's so that's it, it, awesome. it, we're we're obviously bigger fans now because of him and, and his movies and stuff like yeah. that's so anything new that he's ever part yeah. of indie or or big you know we're all about so and he's introduced us to a lot of cool people within the horror community you know adam green that's done the the hatchet movies mm-hmm. kane told adam all about nate so adam had a nice little sit down with nate oh. for a while um a lot of cool um stunt guys that kane used to work with uh, ra was one of them he was uh leatherface part three i guess i think one of the times we went to see kane ra was sitting next to him he's like oh you're a friend of kane so you're a friend of mine come on over here and we were just hanging out with him and he'd remember us at, at subsequent shows that we would go to it's like yeah come on over here how you guys have been this and that and so yeah it's it's the horror community is just a, an amazing family yeah you know, I, I i do miss it we haven't gone as much as we we'd like to working for ben pretty much everything's on his yeah time you know yeah. we just we just do the hard work 
but taking the family takes kind of a toll, yep. you know, driving and the whole bit, but yeah, we miss it. Hopefully we'll get back. But yeah, so I've always loved horror movies to get back, <laughs> <laughs> way back to that. We'll just edit all this out. No, um, we won't. <laughs> I know you won't. I know you won't. But, it's uh, part yeah, of your story. Yeah. It is. It is. That's that's the big thing of me and my family's story. You know, Kane's kind of a big part of that one section. You know, that was... He didn't have to show us as much kindness as he did. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So, it's yeah. really cool. We're really appreciative. Yeah. A really inspiring yeah. story. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. So... Love like brutal postman aside and metal aside and cotton toe aside and horror movies aside, like yep. all that aside, like I'm just a man crying in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jenny and Nathan are, are your life. Like you are. are a they family are. man. Yeah. Yes. That, First and foremost. Yeah. yeah. So we want to say hello to them because yes. we love them. Hi, sweetheart. Oh. Hi, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're my everything. Yeah. That's, they're the we know reason. that. You know, I mean, I love being married. You know, when you find somebody, that's it. You you know it's it's it. Yeah. You know, like what you two have. And then, uh, yeah, Nate just came. It's funny. When we, we adopted Nate, he was, you know, 10. And we were married about 10 years. We said that we prorated him. You know, we didn't have to. Oh, you know, I love it. We didn't have to get a baby. I mean, of course, we were looking at getting the baby when we got the baby. But we never got one. And, uh, you know, once we he came around, like, we don't care how old he is as long as, you know, he's a good kid. Mm-hmm. And he is. He's, he's so special. And we love him. Uh, just tying that even back to VM a little bit. Mm-hmm. Me and Barrett played the show at, at the arc. Uh, the brew house and uh, I called Nate up and he, young little Nate with his skinless shirt because he met skinless skinless and uh, immolation played the penny arcade the weekend of uh, a metal fest so everybody was gone mm-hmm. in Maryland but they had this show there and I had just seen skinless like a week before at Utica so I'm like I'm gonna go and Nate wanted to go with me and he was this little kid oh, I'm like well it. look we're gonna go I don't know how much how long you're gonna last yeah. I said, but you'll at least see what daddy does did he you know? love it Loved it, moshing and everything. I'm like, great. you know, once, once, especially when the immolation thing broke out, he's like, yeah. I'm like, no, come on, come on. We're, we're not up front. You know, yeah. It's like we're gonna stand back here and just kind of watch everybody does. But he ended up meeting everybody from Scandalous. They loved him. You know, um, I think they gave him a shirt, and, and they were just really sweet with him. So yeah, he was wearing his Scandalous shirt at my show, and it's cute that you know I'm playing. And it's like, yeah, daddy. You know, it's like this is awesome. You know, I'm playing <laughs> death metal, and my little kids in front of That's me with great. his headphones, like on. rooting you on. So there's one song, I think it was "Beware the Mullets." It's just a cool, groovy <laughs> little tune. It's like a dancing type of slam dancing song. I'm like, I want to call my 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 son up, and he comes up here. I'm like, this is the new breed. And everyone's like, yeah, new breed. I'm like, are you ready? He goes, all right. We start playing the song. He just starts moshing around on stage. Oh, that's great. We got pictures of it. I'm like, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. He's always been supportive. And now, you know, he's a drummer, and he's been helping out Cotton Toe-wise. We, uh, that was like on his vision board of something to do this year. He's like, I want to play out with you. I said, okay, I can make that happen. That's awesome. So I had a couple gigs that I booked. I'm like, all right, you're going to play drums with me. That's really cool. And uh, so we played in Lima a few weeks ago. We're actually playing in a couple more weeks there, too, at their Blues Fest. I said, all right, you're going to play drums. I'm going to play guitar. So we've been practicing in his room, and uh, his, his first gig was great. He was a lot of fun. You know, and I got video and pictures. And you could tell he just kind of watched me the whole time, and I'm watching him, and I'm like, come on, you got this. And... He's like, oh my god, I'm so nervous. I'm like, and now he's, he's drinking age, yeah. you know, so it's cool. It's like, come on, take a shot. Yeah. You're good, you know. <laughs> Had a shot of Jim Beam when we were done. I'm like, congratulations. I said, now you're also getting paid too. Nice. I said, you know, everything I make is now you're going to get half. 
much as I'd rather keep all of it for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, no, no. I want you, you are now a professional musician. You played for money, which is more than I was at this age. Yeah. You know, so. That's great. Anytime that you can just kind of help anybody else, helps out, you know. I got little nephews that are, are big into what I do, so I, I encourage them to. I play music with them and we hang out and it's, yeah. You got to encourage the, ne- the next generation. Absolutely. That's really you cool. have to. You have to. So I first met you and Jenny <laughs> through Chris's wedding. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It was the rehearsal yeah. dinner. Uh, the rehearsal and I, I remember um, getting ready for the rehearsal dinner. And Ben always used to talk about all of these um, people, like mm-hmm. from his past. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys had like fallen out of touch or, you know, whatever, maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, we didn't hang much as much as me and Chris did. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I asked him while we were getting ready, oh, is the Brutal Milkman going to be there? And he <laughs> fucking died. <laughs> he died laughing. The only one that's allowed to call me. <laughs> so we talked about it at the mm-hmm. rehearsal dinner yes, last night. We, we all kind of joked about it. And ever since, to me, yes. you've been the Brutal Milkman. So that's why... Barrett corrected me, postman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know what his Fifi's name is. Fifi's awkwardness goes <laughs> <Yes>. back <laughs> decades. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's way oh. before the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember oh, when yeah. you asked me, we're sitting at dinner. I'm like, why do they call you the milkman? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the postman, but what? We, where's milkman <laughs> Yeah, from? this guy didn't even correct me. He just let it happen yeah, no. organically. <laughs> oh, come on, it was fun, right? It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, but I remember... The wedding, Jenny and I sitting together, your wife, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, we got to know each other. And she told me the story about Nathan and how you guys Uh, adopted Nathan because you guys were like off doing wedding stuff. Yeah. And I remember. You were the best man. Yeah, I had to give the yeah. toast. But Thank okay. you, by the way, for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I remember you pulled me aside the last minute. You got to give the speech. I got to watch. You pulled it off. Yeah, I could bullshit. Yeah. yeah. You did well. It would have been a fucking it wasn't disaster. As long as the if I father did. of the bride, though, they had papers. Oh, yeah. And staff. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Remember about that? that? It yeah. lasted longer than the marriage. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Bada bang. Yeah, last minute. Ben is best man. He leans over to me and goes, You're giving the, the speech. I'm like, I'm, I'm what? I'm be next to you. I'm like, Why am I giving this? Because I don't want to do it. He didn't do it for my wedding. I'm not going to do it for his. I'm like, now is not the time to argue about this stuff. I don't have anything prepared. I'm like, all right, I'll just bullshit. So I did something off the cuff. It seemed okay. Then the father, we can talk about this now. This is long under the bridge. But then the father of the bride stands up with three or four pages, front and back. And I think the first page and a half was about other people, not about his daughter. It was about everybody he works with and all the people he was trying to impress that Mm -hmm. day. I'm like... Oh, this is going to be a hell of a day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that didn't last long. Nope. But <laughs> so be it. But yeah. yeah, yeah, you guys were hanging out. And, um, yeah, we hung out. Um, and she told me Nathan's story. And I remember getting teary eyed in the middle of this wedding. Like, it's just such a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, we just couldn't have kids, you know, my side, her side, whatever. We tried for years. And it took a, it took a lot. As a man, you've got an ego, you know. So it's like, you know. It got to the point where, I mean, to get really personal with this, you know, we were buying other sperm, you know, where it's got to be FedExed and injected. You know, we weren't going to do the um, in utero route because it was it was expensive. It was like yeah. at that time it was like 10 or 12 grand for maybe a 30 percent shot. Yeah. I'm like, I don't we don't have that money. We just yeah. bought a house. I'm like, we're not you know, what else can we do? Oh, you know, you could try this. 
remember going through, you know, kind of a matching thing of, okay, that would be closest to me, I guess. But, you know, to sit there and watch a doctor put that stuff in your wife, you know, you're in the room, but you're like, what the fuck, you know? It it took a while. It, 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 every step took a lot of prayer you know we're, we're a faith-based family you know we're christians growing up we, we grew up catholics but we uh we're non-denominational now but we, we still have a, even a stronger faith now than ever because god was with us this whole time you know you're making our job very easy i, I, I felt like i'm was, talking to why I, I that was literally my next question <laughs> oh well <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk so much that the sound bed's going to disappear from us. <laughs> for the third yeah, time. For It'll the third be back. Yeah. <laughs> means I'm going to talk way too much. It's just but, um, rest. But I remember, yeah, every step of the way, it was, it was, you know, it was just frustrating. And then I remember we were driving downtown and we're on, um, on 490. I just remember seeing a, a billboard talking about foster parenting. Like there was a class coming up and I'm like, I don't know. I... Uh, you know, okay. I said, you know, we were talking about it, and she wasn't. She was never pushing the the issue. She was just like, you know, what do you think? I'm like, we can go. The, we can go to the meeting, you know, and just to see. Yeah. We went to the meeting. You know, how do you feel? I'm like, uh, you know, we could. Uh, we'll look more into it. It's, there's a ten week course. Okay. okay. Maybe we'll do that. You know, we'll, we'll. You know, and just a little bit at a time. It took a lot of prayer and a lot, a lot of faith. And I did not like I had it then, but it's like okay, something was urging me to do it and uh we ended up going to class the classes were great met a lot of great people some people are just going to be foster parents you know you're just there in an emergency of course to watch some kids and that's fine they knew us going in obviously a full-on you know interview process that we were in it for the long haul you know we're in it to adopt yep doesn't necessarily have to be a baby yeah that'd be ideal like everyone young of course yeah but it's like whatever it just we want to help a child yeah and it wouldn't matter race, creed, religion, whatever. It's, it's just a child. Let's just yep. help a kid out. Yeah. So we went through 10 weeks. We, we heard the worst of horror stories. I mean, they had some people in there that were bringing in, uh, you know, yeah, this little kid came in and was setting fire to the drapes and this and that. I mean, just the, the most worst stories you could hear. I'm like, I don't know why we're still doing this, but okay. Um, so we got certified within a month. We got a call for a, a two-year-old girl and her, and her one-year-old brother that were pulled the parents weren't technically abusing them per se but like the girl was agoraphobic and the guy had a, a laundry list of issues and he was taking medications they were more like fighting with each mm-hmm. other and kind of neglecting the kids that yeah. way and so emily was still in a crib and she was almost two i, th- I think he was six months she was a year and a half I, I think now you know we had him for a year but she was in a crib next to jonathan and she was talking baby talk because he was, because she didn't have any interaction. So I remember them getting, you know, kind of rescued. We were watching them, and we had them for a year. And things looked kind of good for us to adopt them. I mean, obviously, we fell in love with them. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. As you do. That's what you're going to do. You know, and that's one of the things they did in the classes, kind of help you deal with that yeah. situation, with the separation. But you, you can't prepare yeah, for it. Uh, yeah. Of course not. Especially all the time we put in. And things kind of looked good. We knew it was still a gray area, but... You know, as long as, say, you know, they have one can of food in their pantry. And I'm not, I'm not dissing on the DSS here or the, the, the thing. It's just we, we, they had a really bad person on their end, which, I mean, helped them. 
definitely helped them. But these people were not fit to watch these kids. As it was when the kids did go back, they were essentially put into another babysitting type of thing during the day and had the kids at night. They they were not fit. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. You know that that was that was a hard day when they were picked up. Yeah. And uh, fell in love with them. They're still you know in my heart. So we got a call because going back to the God thing because we were in the system because we went through the classes because we went through all DSS DSS knew about us Nathan came up and uh, they were pretty much in a room with other people fighting for their people and the dust settled we're the ones that got the phone call so uh, uh, excuse me so Jenny called me I was working she called me because I got some good news when you get home, let me know. I said, okay. So I get home. She goes, this is the situation. This kid was put into uh, foster care at four. He's got burns on him. I'm like, oh, my God, that's horrible. You know, he's nine years old. Uh, he looks like he's freed for adoption. You know, obviously we're going to foster him, but he's freed for adoption. You know, the, uh, the father's totally gone because he's the one that did it. And the only reason he wasn't in jail is because they, he was put into court but he, uh, you know, Nathan was four and his sister was six or seven. They didn't want these kids to relive all the, the damage they went through with yep. his father. So in light of that, he was essentially was able to walk. Wow. So, uh, but he's totally wrote off the kids. He was done. The, uh, the mom um, essentially wrote him off to be adopted, but she wanted some visits, which we were totally fine with. Yeah. Like, yeah we get it. But once Nathan came with us, it was we were definitely mom and dad. October 10th is our family day, is our family anniversary day. That was the official day he was a, adopted, when he was 10 years old, on October 10th. So that's that's the date you'll see on Facebook. That's the day we celebrate as, oh, a, as, our, as our family day. So you... God, I don't even know, three years ago? You went into the hospital thinking you had the oh, flu. Oh, we're gonna talk about this. Four years ago, off uh, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Four years ago. Four years ago. Four years ago. It felt like my my tubes were clogged in my ears, and it happened to be a Sunday. And I'm like, well, I must just go to after hours and just cause, uh, on like clockwork. Every year, I would go to my family doctor and get a Z pack because I would have bronchitis. Mm. Now I didn't realize I was working on one lung at that point yeah for who knows how long at least four or five years mm -hmm. but um it just something it was slowly growing on my left lung where it got to a point where it overtook my lung it started pushing my heart over my trachea that's when it was found but they, they don't know what caused it it was a tumor i've got a really cool picture of it which chris absolutely loves mm -hmm. i think that's going to go on an album cover eventually i wanted to ask uh, you if you'd be interested in that with with the Grim Dystopian logo <laughs> being the show art for this episode. That's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, right? You can so say no. Weird. Wow, that, well, yeah, I mean, people want to see it, it. It's fucking impressive. I, I always, I, I, I've got it. Do oh, you have a copy of it? Mm, I don't think so. I, I could always okay. send you a copy. But I always ask people, look, this is what's going on. If you want to see it. It's, it's impressive. And you can see it now. And I don't show people. Now, everybody at work saw it because I sent it to one person and she showed it to everybody. I'm like, no, you, you got to preface this. This is, it looks like a huge pot roast. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. huge. So, How much did it weigh? 20 pounds. 
Yes. That's insane. It, yes. it Every is, woman yeah. in my family was upset that I lost 20 pounds within one little <laughs> surgery. Yeah. I'm like, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, and this thing was feeding off me. Luckily, it was... Well, let me go back to... So, I get my tubes checked after hours. Oh, let's, you know, they're, they're feeling, you know, my, my breathing. I'm like, can we take a chest x-ray? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, whatever. Yeah. They come back, and they're white as a sheet. You know, and, and that started a two weeks of people walking up just blankly looking at me like are you okay I'm like yeah, yeah I mean, I just my, can't my, breathe. my tubes hurt <laughs> but other than that I'm yeah I'm fine showed me the x-ray I'm like what the hell is that I'm like we don't know you need to go to a doctor I mean you need to go to the hospital like now I'm like yeah so okay. did you go from urgent care that yeah, Sunday well, yes, to yes and if, if my wife's listening she'll understand because <laughs> we joke about this I'm I'm Scrivens okay it's Mike Cotton Toast Scrivens. I'm Scrivens as Scrivens male. We say, yeah, I could eat. <laughs> we always think of our stomachs, okay? I knew I would be in an emergency for who knows how you long. You stopped for food? Yes, yes, ma'am. I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> Where'd you go? Wegmans. Because oh, we, okay. we were close by. You know, it's like we probably had to get a couple things. And we're like, you know what? I might as well eat here. I don't know how long we're going to be waiting because we went to Strong. I don't know how long we're going to be waiting. Thank God I did that too. But yeah, we stopped, not knowing obviously what was going on, but someone's going to look at it. So yeah, I ate first. I did pick, Strong was the best place to go, but the reason I picked it, because there was a Moe's around the corner. <laughs> That's a good reason. <laughs> you know, again, thinking with my stomach first. So, uh, yeah, so they're like, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. So we, we take care of what we had to take care of. We go, we go to emergency. They give me a casket. Now it took hours. You know, first waiting and then sitting in a room when you finally got admitted. Yeah. Uh, they came back. I'm like, well, you've got some kind of lymphoma. You know, we're not sure what this is. Uh, we can get a we'll get this uh, group of people together and we'll, we'll get into this. And I'm thinking they're just going to let me go and I can come back Wednesday. And they're like, no, we're going to admit you. I've never been admitted in a hospital. I've never gone through any kind of treatment like that at all. I'm like, fine, whatever. And so meanwhile, I hadn't seen outside since I got there. You know, yeah. Now it's dark like it is now. And, and remember I was admitted that I'm now I've looked like a marionette because I've got all these things coming out of me. I'm like connected to the wall in my room. You know, I literally had a panic attack, uh, which I've never had. That, that freaked me out. It got to the point I'm like, I need to walk. I, I, I got to move. I said, I've been here all day. I understand I'm going to be here for the next mm -hmm. few days with an impending MRI, which I was not looking forward to because I'm claustrophobic. And that's the only thing I could think of. And I said, uh, and I talked to the nurse. I'm like, is there any way you just disconnected me? I said, I just need to get outside and get some air. I said, yeah. I'm running away. She goes, no, we trust you. I said, no, seriously, I just need to move. A yeah. Bit. Went outside, freaked out. Again, luckily my heart was there. My, my wife was there and she helped me out with that and kind of went through it. She, she just, I needed her that week and that was, she was there. You know, that was this just shows you what the marriage that we've got. You know, yep. at that point too, we were also, we're pretty, strong in our faith but you know not knowing what the hell this is it's like now we're waiting you know two three days getting all these tests all these people you know this is what this is we don't know if it's it was slow growing we don't know how long it's been in there we have to take it out by the time everything went through it was i was let go tuesday wednesday night i had rush tickets in buffalo that was the last time they were going to play mm. i'm like oh, i need to go no. I, I just get me out when i'm i need to see rush obviously I remember going that night not having a good time because now now I've got a week because of the following Wednesday I'm going to go in for mm -hmm. surgery not knowing what the hell this is yeah. 
what's going to happen. What the know, outcome's going to be. The outcome yeah. or whatever. Talk about, you know, you're really leaning on, on faith and people and prayer. Yeah. Just like, I don't know what's going to happen. But it, I was, by the, that following Wednesday, I remember waking up. It was super early in the morning to get to the hospital. I just remember getting up like, well, I'm done carrying this. I, I, I can't like lift it is this what it burden is. anymore. Yeah. This is what it is. Get, me, get my ass to the hospital. Let's just mm-hmm. do this. Yeah. So got there early. They gave me a, a, an epidural in the back. Uh, that was fun. Uh, put me out. So I've got this. Did you ever see the scar? Yeah. Okay. It so is I've, the coolest so scar I've, ever. I've got a shark bite yeah. on my left yeah, side. Massive. That's where it was. Um, yeah, it, was, it was a long surgery. Now, meanwhile, they're not sure how big this is going to mm-hmm. be. The doctor comes down. That's where the picture comes. <laughs> the doctor comes down to talk to my wife and everybody that's around her. And she's thinking she, she's going to bring a jar or something, yeah. you know, because he's like, everything went great. We got everything out. He's, he's patched up. He's recovering now. He's, he's going to be here for a, a week at least. I had like two chest tubes in me to reinflate the lung. Plus, I stole the epidural. I had a catheter. That was the only thing I was ever concerned of. Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, that thing sucked. But uh, like, so yeah, everything's done. You know, do you want to see it? I like how it? you have two chest tubes. And I you had just, two chest tubes. I got the holes. You just had twenty pound tumor yeah. removed from one, you, one, and you're went worried. Up and over, <laughs> and one went in. Yeah, yeah. And every time I would cough or something, I would feel it rub here. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, not realizing. I remember, you know, being sore when I got up and I'm like, oh my God, like, probably because I was laying like this. No, I didn't realize that the trauma my body went through to get this Yeah, thing it's out. crazy. Because I didn't even see the scar for the next few days. I was, I mean, they had me walking the, the, the same day um, with all that stuff I'm carrying, you know, and uh, it, my wife just kept looking at the scar like, yeah, it's really healing nice, this and that, because they glued it. They didn't, it wasn't a stitch oh, or really? anything else. It was trying to keep it. And uh, she finally, I said, I don't even know what it looks like, you know. And she, so she took a picture and showed me, I'm like, holy shit, are you kidding? So, yeah, I've got this really cool shark bite that still itches to this day a little bit. It's weird. It's kind of numb still in that area. It's messed up. So they open me up. They literally lift up the, the, the rib cage, like just like this. Yep. Okay, because they're really flexible, I guess. I thought they would have to remove a couple ribs they were talking we might have to do mm-hmm. that we don't know what's going to be in there when we mm-hmm. open it up we're, but we know we have to go in there yep do what you got to do they opened it up pretty much said holy shit it was all connected just to one part uh-huh. it was smooth but it was too big to take out so they had to cut it in half so they took it out uh rinsed me out with saline just in case it was cancerous to wash any of that stuff out and uh it's probably where the brutal postman now comes from. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's not my real name, but yeah, this is probably the new brutal. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, God, that was nasty. So, uh, yeah, they, they took a picture of it and showed my wife. She's like, holy shit. And like, yeah, that's what we said. You know, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is amazing. I mean, I had my own special team of people collected. I, I joke with my doctor a few days later when I was kind of coming to, and I'm like, you're going to make a lot of money off this. <laughs> you, you at least probably went home with that picture and got laid. Seriously. I said, I need to get a little cut oh, back from this it. because I, I'm breeding the spawn. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> you know, throwback a bit. So, yeah, so they, they took that out. Um, they treated me. Not They don't know what this is. It technically wasn't cancerous but it had cancer cells in it, so they treated me like a lung mm. cancer patient. So every three months for the next year, I had CT scans. Uh, they've got this but one no, little- no cancer treatments, right? No, no, or no, did no, you? It was, okay. no, no, no. There was a big thing where they were they were thinking about like radioactive or chemo or this or that. And I went through a, 
shitload of doctors in the first couple of months, but they're like, you know what, you know, we, we left a, a little mark where it was taken out, like a certain thing where they can look at it, and that's where things are going to collect again, if it does at all. So we'll just do CAT scans and we'll just keep a look at this. So the first year was three every three months, and then it was every six months after that. In the past year or two, it's been just once a year. Actually, I go back in August for my next one, and next probably August 2020 will be my fifth year. And as long as that's still clean, then they're like, we won't You're do free? anymore. I guess so. I'm free. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's I've got crazy. that picture. I can send uh, it to. You. I yeah. mean, that's, if people want to see it, it's they got to see. Oh, it. they don't have a choice. They, they, <laughs> it's for, it is the grim dystopia. Yes. That's so impressive. Totally <laughs> forgot. Um, I do have some more questions. I feel like we need a part two. <laughs> yeah, because I've talked everyone's ear off. You've you've been great. You've you've told them well, very compelling. Amazing stories. Thank you for sharing yeah. with us. You pulled them out of me. Well, you guys are the best. I, I love you no, too. No, you're anyway, the best. But no, we're going to find out. <laughs> no, you. No. no I, I you. did want to make sure at this podcast, the one thing I did want to talk about is you two are doing the, the scene a big service. And I'm so proud of you two for doing Thank this. Thank you. I, you know, I'm in and out of the scene quote unquote and you guys have really turned me on to new music around here there was always been music here it's just sometimes you just get off the ride for a while you know yeah you fall out of the scene you fall or, out yeah. you know and it's like oh who's playing now whatever I, I'm glad the record archive is doing that now. oh we the, love the, the record archive they're actually playing bands I'm like oh good I get to go check a band out but then you guys have been playing all this great music I'm like yeah this is you know what was that one um, what was Oz's band Necro. Stalker. Oh, Necro yeah. Stalker. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. You guys, you just provide so much entertainment in my head because I listen to podcasts every day on my route. That's how I get through the day. I love Mark Marin. I love Bill Burr. Uh, a lot of comedy stuff, but I remember we were at, at Record Archive a few months ago. You're like, yeah, we got a podcast. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't even going to say anything to you. And I'm like, you have to tell him. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would. I go to the bathroom or something. I come back. There's a card. A couple <laughs> pins waiting for me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> went home. Went to my, you know, I got my son's old iPod. That's, uh, I just put all the stuff into that, that and music. And I'm like, yep, make sure I look for it. Subscribe. And I think there was like four or five episodes at the time. So I was able to listen to everything right up front. Like, yeah. This is great. I got to keep, keep up. So oh, thank you. I love it. No, seriously. I, I, I love you too. And you guys are doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. We love you keep too. Keep it up for many years. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, uh, fat uh. <laughs> 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 I want to be serious all the time. Since Brutal Postman mentioned his love for Necrostalker, what better way to end the episode with an awesome Necrostalker song? That's a great idea. And we're going to dedicate this song to the Brutal Postman's tumor. <laughs> this is Demon Inside. Fucking over No escape from the demon 
That was the anus time. look. Yeah. The anus. <laughs> no brown. No. Joke. No. no. <laughs> <laughs>